Welcome back to our listeners. This is Deep Point, an extra edition from the Emerging Cricket Podcast, where we look in depth at an issue that we didn't get time for on the main Friday show. I'm your host, Nick Skinner, and today I'm joined by Emerging Cricket's Netherlands correspondent and TK Cricket co-founder, Rod Lyle. Welcome to Rugby, Rod. Thank you well, Nick. Hi, and greetings to listeners. Now, this is a bit of a um, follow-up episode, uh, because last time we spoke, we left on something of a cliffhanger. We we had, uh, sort of a few months ago, the, the previous CEO, uh, Milner van Not, had been turfed out less than a year into a two-year contract, which you noted was the fourth such dismissal in seven years. This prompted a number of moves in the boardroom and some pretty bitter disputes between the various clubs uh, and their representatives who, who make up the board. So just to get us up to speed, what's been going on uh, in, in the sort of intervening months since the, the last meeting? Well, back in December, it was clear that the board had effectively disintegrated and that it would be necessary to establish a new board. And the December general meeting um, asked Mark Asselbergs, who had been chairman 20 years ago and up to about 10 years ago, to take on the role of finding a new board. He duly collected together a group of people who he thought were suitable for this task, and they were appointed to do the job by the outgoing board, which had described, which now regarded itself and was regarded as what the Dutch called demissionaire. So an outgoing board which really can't take any new policy initiatives. So Asselberg's committee got to work. And at the beginning of February, the clubs were invited to what was described as an online update session. However, when that meeting gathered online, virtually, it became clear that in the view of Asselberg's committee and indeed of the, the secretary of the board, the outgoing board, Robert Fermola, it was necessary for this meeting to be a formally declared general meeting. Problem with that was that they hadn't observed the requirements of the constitution, which require for four weeks notice of the meeting and papers need to be distributed three weeks before. And the paper for this meeting was distributed two days before. I don't think there was an indication that it was going to be a general meeting. So not everybody was there. Jürgen Delfos, the outgoing chairman, wasn't there. But when the Asselberg's committee put forward their proposals, the, there was no opposition either to the proposal that this meeting should be regarded as a general meeting or to the proposals from the committee, which were that they should define the relationship between the board and the clubs and the KNCB staff and that they should not only find a new board to propose to the general, the following general meeting, but that they should also be responsible for the appointment of the new CEO. Because Richard de Winter, who was appointed as an interim CEO, has made it very clear that he sees his role as time limited, that he wants to tide the KNCB through a few months of crisis, but then he will step down and make way for a new duly appointed CEO. And so whereas it would normally be the board that would carry out that process, since there wasn't a board, certainly not an effective board, the Asselbergs committee said, OK, we should we should do that job as well. And the club representatives at that meeting on the 10th of February agreed 
to that. And the minutes of that meeting have now been presented as a general meeting minute to the next general meeting, the regular general meeting, which is scheduled to take place next Wednesday, the 20th of April. Now, you could say, well, what's the issue? Everybody was happy, no problem here, nothing to see, move on. But my view would be that the trouble with that is that it effectively accepts that when circumstances make it undesirable to follow the constitution, you just don't follow the constitution. And it seems to me that that then there is really no point in having a constitution. I think there are clear reasons why you have a four weeks notice time and a three weeks for the papers. It provides people with an opportunity to make sure they can be at the meeting. And it provides the clubs with an opportunity to consider the proposals which are being put forward and to develop a club view, because the people who are at the general meeting are the representatives of their clubs, and they ought to be taking a position which is essentially the position of their club. Now, it may or may not be the case in practice that clubs are very good at forming a a common view and ensuring that that is the view which is put forward at the general meeting. But that's what the structure, that's what the Constitution provides for. And if you say, well, we didn't bother to tell you three, four weeks in advance and we didn't bother to give you the papers until two days before, but here you go, put up with it and we'll just say, well, yeah, fine, Constitution doesn't really matter, then you're opening the way to all kinds of undesirable developments, it seems to me. Fortunately, it seems to me that there is a relatively straightforward solution to that problem which is that the meeting on the 20th of April, which will undoubtedly be a legal general meeting, doesn't just pass the minutes of what was technically, and in the words of the minutes, strictly formally not constitutional. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What's the point of having a constitution if you don't strictly formally observe it? Yeah, I know. What they could do is ask the general meeting on Wednesday, which is undoubtedly legal under the constitution, to homologate the decisions of the unconstitutional meeting of the 10th of February. In other words, you, you, you admit that the meeting wasn't constitutional, but you say, but it made good decisions. And therefore, we will now take those decisions, we being undoubtedly a constitutional meeting, and make them our own. And by doing so, you you overcome the problem of the unconstitutionality of the meeting of the 10th of February and the constitution rules, which is how any decent organisation ought to run itself. Well, uh, decent organisation and the KNCB, uh, hmm, they've certainly had their uh, more downs than ups, let's say, over the last little while. As well as the um, you know the, the turfing of Milner van Not, there was uh, mass resignations, which kind of threw everything into chaos. And yeah, as, as we said, some pretty bitter disputes between various factions. There was also meant to be some kind of mediation, I seem to remember, with, um, I believe, the Dutch Olympic Committee uh, acting as, as mediators. I take it that never really went anywhere? It broke down. It didn't work. The relationships between members of the board had become so toxic, specifically over the sacking of Milner-Fundnot, but I think that was really a a token of something else, a, a token of much deeper structural disagreements, to put it gently. 
that there was no way that mediation could succeed. And that's why it became obvious that the current board could not continue because it had become completely dysfunctional and people were not prepared to trust each other. There were two main factions and essentially the only way you could resolve the situation was by drawing a line under the whole unhappy episode and starting again. And that's what Astelberg's, who had also been the, he'd, he'd held the coats during the, the attempted mediation. That's why his role then, then segued into, okay, can you now find us a new board? And it's not usual for me to sound this positive, but let me say that the, the Asselberg's committee has indeed brought forward four nominations for a new board to the meeting on the 20th of April. And it seems to me that there is a very good chance that they may have succeeded in doing their job and finding a board which, if anybody can, can carry the KNCB forward into calmer waters and possibly even make some significant progress on the most important deci- decisions which need, which need to be made. So tell us a bit about the the members of the, you know, the, the proposed board that uh, you are so um, un- uncharacteristically uh, excited about. <laughs> well, the proposed chair, the nominated chairman, is Hido, a guy called Hido Lomdhere who was until fairly recently chairman of cricket at Quickhaag and is a senior civil servant or public servant um, with experience in external affairs, the foreign, the foreign ministry, um, in agriculture. He is somebody who clearly loves cricket and I think will be very widely trusted He's also somebody with a lot of diplomatic experience, which one clearly needs in this sort of role. Um, and it seems to me that he has a very good chance, not only, I think virtually 100% certain that he will be elected, and I think he has as good a chance as anybody could possibly have of pulling things together and actually giving the KNCB a new start. There is, and I'm a little puzzled by this, there is no nomination for secretary, and I don't know, to be honest, what the explanation of that is, whether they just haven't succeeded yet in finding somebody, or whether the intention is that Robert Fermola, who has been secretary for the last several years, will continue in that role. No doubt that's something which will become clear on Wednesday. He, however, was fairly deep involved in the meltdown of the existing board and it would be interesting to say the least if he were to continue. I have a very high regard for him on the whole as an individual. He's a lawyer. He and I were on the board together for a time in 2016. So I know him as a board member in relatively happier times. But I don't I just don't know what's happening about the secretaryship. However, what is clear is that the nominee for the treasurer role is Moody Alaraka, who was a member of the outgoing board. He only came in and came into the board in April of last year, initially as the the board member responsible for multicultural cricket, multicultural development. But the intention always was that he should succeed the current treasurer, Amit Paruleka, 
and that he should do so at this meeting. So they've proposed that. But strictly speaking, that doesn't conform to what I thought was the decision that nobody from the outgoing board would continue into the incoming board. And then there are two other nominations, one for the portfolio of high performance and one for the portfolio of participation, which reflects the way in which the KNCB staff, the way the KNCB office is organized uh, into two departments, really, a department of high performance and a department of participation. The nominee for the high performance portfolio is Reinhard Stolzer, who was a long-serving member of the national side, a member of the team which won the ICC trophy in 2001, um, comes from HBS, also played a little bit for VOC at one point, but basically he's an HBS man from The Hague, recent chairman of HBS cricket. He and Kido Lantia work quite closely together because the clubs are next door to each other in, in The Hague. He is the first captain I ever saw order one of his own players from the field for misbehaviour, <laughs> which entirely deserved, I have to say, and, and to finish the game with 10 men, which seems to me to be an interesting kind of testimony to high moral character of some kind. Um, he's a bit of a rough diamond, but he's uh, an experienced administrator and... There have been suggestions for a while that he might at some point run for the board. And with his international experience, he is, I think, well-placed to take on the high-performance role. And the participation uh, portfolio, the suggestion is that it be filled by Nitin Potgar. And here I have to declare an interest because Nitin Potgar is a, is a personal friend of mine. He is chairman of Kiviv in Amsterdam, the club for which I for some years, led the, the youth development program. But he's also got connections with ACC because his son, Shreyas, plays for ACC. So he's very, very well based in Amsterdam cricket, um, Indian by origin, but has lived in the Netherlands for many years and has been involved in a number of participation initiatives um, at Kiwi. So he too, I think, will have a very constructive role to play. Whether the intention is that the board will only comprise four or five members with a secretary, I don't know. The previous board had seven, so it may be that there will be suggestions to add a couple more. There is, for example, no woman no woman on the board, as now proposed, assuming that Barbara Boissonin, who's, who's part of the outgoing board, doesn't continue. But it does seem to me that, that by putting together that team, led by Hido Lampere, there is as good a chance as there could be, given the traditionally poisonous sector <laughs> of Dutch cricket politics, um, that a line can be drawn, that the ambitions, which undoubtedly have underlain a great deal of the trouble of the past 12 months and maybe longer than that, can be put to one side and that the KNCB can successfully operate uh, in the interests of Dutch cricket as a whole. That is, at any le- at any rate, my pious hope. Oh, well, don't, don't hope too hard or you, you might well be disappointed, I say, looking at uh, the ongoing Australian election campaign. Um, <laughs> don't get me started on that. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, that, that's that's another podcast for both of us. Um, <laughs> one of the, the big players that um, whose name hasn't come up 
at all recently is Betty Timmer, and um, she had quite a role in the Kane CB sort of splitting off the international rights into a, a, a kind of subsidiary company known as a BV company, and there was some conflict over that situation. Where Where is uh, Timmer in this uh, reshuffle? Good question. Not visible, I think, is probably the answer. She is, in any case, very busy at the moment because as... CEO of the BV, she is organising nine Super League matches and two T20 internationals involving New Zealand. So West Indies come for three matches, England come for three matches, Pakistan come for three matches in the Super League. And that is undoubtedly the biggest summer of international cricket that the Netherlands has ever had. The matches will be televised. There is a huge opportunity to promote cricket within the Netherlands, given the quality of the teams that will be coming. And that is, I would imagine at the moment, a a full-time job. However, it was the creation of the Super League and the Dutch qualification for the Super League, which really was the justification for the creation of the BV, of the limited liability company, to hive off the international matches in order to, the argument went, in order to limit the risk to the KNCB itself. An argument which I've never been able to follow, but there you are. That, that, was, that, was, that was the argument. Um, so now that the ICC, in its ineffable wisdom, has decided that Super League will not continue beyond the current iteration, mm. um, and that therefore there's nothing for the KNCB to qualify for, for the Netherlands to qualify for, and we know how easy it is, that is not easy at all, for associate members to organise high-quality international matches against full full members, um, the chances that there will be comparable fixtures on a large and regular scale seems to me to be pretty remote. And therefore, the question of what happens to the BV after this summer is one of the questions that the new board and the new CEO, whenever the new CEO is appointed, will have to confront, along with, of course, the question of full membership, because the old board, 18 months ago, declared that it was committed to gaining full membership for the Netherlands by 2025, which has always seemed to me to be ambitious to the point of absurdity. (laughs) And... (laughs) It's a huge ask, and I'm not sure that anybody has fully factored in just what would need to be done in terms of structuring domestic competitions, raising the performance level of the national teams, especially the under-19 men's and women's teams and the national women's team, all of whom lag far behind the men's national team in performance plus all the governance questions which have been raised over the last 12 months to get within three years to a point where the a credible case can be made for election to full membership it seems to me to be a huge ask and it will certainly be one of the things that the incoming board will need to spend a lot of time deliberating over it seems to me and a lot of that is inseparable from the question of what of Betty Timmer's position. She was, as listeners may remember, she was for several years chair of the KNCB. She gave up that role in order to 
concentrate on the Beve and also to eliminate the conflict of interest, the very confusing lines between her as employer and her as employee. And it was in a way that decision to step down, which was one of the first, uh, it was, it was, it contributed in some ways which are not entirely obvious to the meltdown of the board, which, which happened over the next six months. So I think it's an open question what Ms. Timmer's role going forward might conceivably be. Presumably she will argue for the, for the continuation of the Bayvee and her supporters will no doubt do so as well. But we can't forget that one of the recommendations of the governance committee, which reported towards the end of her term as chair, was that the Beve should take over the whole of high performance, <laughs> which was mm. which was yeah a territorial grab in some ways, and one which the board did not endorse at the time. Although the then vice chair with responsibility for high performance. Hans Milder quite explicitly said that this was not being taken off the table, that it was something that they would return to. Now, whether the new board will will return to that radical proposal, I don't know. I hope not. Yeah, lots of changes. Uh, and I guess in terms of you know, defining roles uh, within the organisation, you mentioned that one of the uh, recommendations from that um, uh, unconstitutional meeting was that you know the various kind of separate parts of the KNCB basically uh, you know, have, have their different kind of roles made a bit clearer in, in terms of how they relate to each other. Where do you see that going? Because, in, in, yeah, it does seem like a bit of a mess at the moment. I don't think there's a huge difference between what has in theory been the position up to now and what the Asselbergs Committee is recommending, which is that the board sets the broad lines of policy And the office, let's call it that, um, the KNCB central organization, then implements the broad lines of policy, turns the policy into programs and carries out those programs under the overall supervision of, of the CEO. So the CEO ought to be, and I think this has always been the theory, the CEO ought to be um, the intermediary, as it were, between a policy-making but largely hands-off board and the employees, the staff, the professionals who actually do the work. And provided the board members don't try to dominate the staff and second-guess what the staff are doing and on occasion resort to bullying, it has been alleged... Um, in order to get their own way, it ought to work okay. The small organisation, there are short lines of communication, and provided everybody works in a spirit of goodwill, it ought to work fine. The fact is that it often hasn't, and that, I think, it's an illustration of what can happen when the principles of good governance are not observed. You know, there have to be good working relationships, but good working relationships require people to be of good faith. 
Well, with uh, with Easter, we're on the Easter weekend. Um, you know, themes of rebirth and renewal coming up uh, potentially in the boardroom. Uh, it's very very opportune time for some positivity there, Rod. Uh, some un- unusual as it may be. Um, thanks a lot for joining us and uh, clarifying some of the recent Kane CB uh, moves and counter moves. It's a pleasure. Happy to talk anytime. On behalf of the team at Emerging Cricket, thanks for tuning in and remember that you can of course subscribe in the usual audio apps for regular podcasts, keeping you up to date with news from all over the world of Emerging Cricket. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for loads more great content. Bye for now.